0: Again and welcome back to another episode of the Ostrich Technique Podcast. I'm um, one of your co-hosts, Ananth,
1: and I am your other co-host, Chris.
0: Yeah, Chris, how's uh, how's it going? It's obviously been a while since we've done one of these.
1: Yeah, I've been excited for this Thor episode. So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It seems like uh, I mean, it seems like Thor's uh, might is raining down on New York right now, at least. So hopefully, yeah. you're keeping keeping dry there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We're of course recording this a few days before it goes up, but right now there's some pretty bad rain going on in New York. But uh, yeah, I mean, Thor. It's it's actually been a while since I've seen this movie. I mean, did you? I mean, what have you thought of this movie? I guess from prior times. I guess going into this one,
1: um, when I the first time I saw it, I uh, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of the same thing now. Uh, you know, rewatching it. Um, I think. I didn't realize at the time when I first watched it how big of a character arc Thor has. Mm. So it was kind of cool to rewatch it now, and then obviously knowing what his arc is in the greater MCU for films to come. Um, Yeah. He's definitely one of the better
0: written characters, I would say. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely better than the Hulk, I would say. I mean, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, he... It's interesting. I mean, this... I mean, I, I, I was thinking about this when I was starting the movie that like it, in terms of like a swing, I mean, this is not like a guardians of the galaxy kind of swing, but this was, I think really the first test in my mind for the MCU and like how people, how interested people actually were. Cause this was definitely more high concept in terms of like, it's a fantasy movie. It's not really like grounded in sort of like science quote unquote, or realism like Iron Man and the Hulk were, um, and I mean, it it worked obviously. Like people were receptive to it. It obviously wasn't like a huge box office hit. I mean, I think those started only coming like from the Avengers on. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a I think it was a moderate success. I would say overall. And I think it it, it set it achieved what it set out to do. And it made Thor seem like a grounded and somewhat realistic character. It didn't yeah. seem like it was totally just like people playing you know dress up and you know pretend. Which I mean, they are, but. It didn't feel like it was chintzy or cheesy.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good I mean, I I was always kind of fond of the movie overall. Like it's it's not perfect, of course. It's not like the greatest movie ever, but it I, I think it's very charming in the way that it's set up. Um and you know, I, I think the, the what really drives the movie is the sort of interpersonal dynamics that they really set up throughout the whole movie and i think that that really shines through i mean the relationship mm-hmm. between odin and thor between thor and loki between loki and odin um yeah i mean especially the asgardian side of things i think is where the relationships are the strongest for sure
1: yeah uh, i agree i think it's a good film uh like you said just kind of shows the relationships between all the different characters uh, and we are meeting a ton of you know I guess they're all new characters. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a good job um, kind yep. of displaying that.
0: Yeah. I did also want to mention the last um, thing, the, um, what is it? They, they, this was the last movie that they shot on film, like actual 35 millimeter film I versus. Did, yeah. Yeah, This is the, and every movie after that, I, I hope I didn't steal one of your, uh, your no, trivia you questions. Luckily enough,
1: I did see that in, in what, some of the trivia. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was. I mean, I have to say, I do really miss the look of film on mm-hmm. these Marvel movies. Like, it doesn't seem I as, agree. like, gray and washed out that, like, some of the later movies do, especially as we go into, like, phase two and three. Yeah. Um, I, I think they definitely. I mean, they've tried to fix that a little bit with the sort of being more colorful and stuff as you went on. And I think uh, some standouts, definitely, like, Guardians as we go later on, were really sort of flying in the face of the sort of colorful nature of uh, the otherwise sort of gray rest of Phase 2 and 3. But yeah, I really miss the film style. And honestly, Marvel could afford going back to film. Like, I know it's more expensive technically, but they could definitely do it.
1: I think they should. I mean, just it it adds to the feel yeah. of these movies. Like, like the early MCU films, they feel a lot more grounded, you know, in reality Versus mm-hmm. now, they're just not on film. They're all digital. It's like, okay, well, this is a yeah. clear CGI background. You know, it just doesn't feel as down to earth. Um, yeah, obviously, some films are in space. Like, even th- like this movie, a good portion of it takes place in space. But, you know, it still yeah. feels enough grounded. I think part of it is because of the film.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's not like they're obviously, you know, filming in space. I mean, you could do CGI and all this stuff with film. But yeah, it definitely, there's a, there's a quality to the picture and the the way that it looks like the colors are richer and deeper um and you know i i mean it's not all on the film i would say definitely the set direction the art design all of that stuff they did a really good job i think really setting up the world of asgard overall um but yeah yeah but i mean i I think i think we've uh sort of set set it up long enough i think we can just you know sort of jump right in sound good to you
1: Sounds good to me. All right. Yeah, so Um, why
0: don't you set us up with the, I guess, basic sort of intro for the movie. Sure.
1: Um, So this is the first Thor movie. Um, So it's about a powerful but arrogant god, Thor, who is cast out of Asgard to live amongst humans in Midgard, also known as Earth, where where he soon becomes one of their finest defenders. Now, this movie is directed by... Kenneth Branagh, um, and it stars Chris Hemsworth, Anthony Hopkins, and Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I guess just to briefly mention, really stacked cast in this movie. Like surprisingly, there's a lot of really big name actors in this movie that are mm-hmm. almost wasted in some ways. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. Like we, I mean, we have Stellan Skarsgård. We have. Jeremy Renner, Idris Elba,
1: Renee uh, Russo, Renee Russo, like
0: yeah, Ray Stevenson. uh, I mean Jamie Alexander. um, I'm trying to think who who are some of the other big people that like randomly pop up. Like there's like yeah, I mean Kat Dennings (laughs) of course, Two Broke Girls. Truly the biggest star there of all, and of course I mean I mean Natalie Portman, multi Academy Award nominated and Academy Award winner. Like, this this is a surprisingly stacked cast, and I have to say, they do not use a lot of them. They barely use some of these people. Yeah, Um, I agree. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good cast overall. Just, um, you know, not everyone was as good as uh, some of the Asgardians as we were mentioning. But, yeah, I mean, I guess we can just sort of jump right into the beginning of the movie, or I guess Act 1 overall. Um, I mean were there any key moments I mean we don't have to go through scene by scene but we can just sort of talk about Act 1 as a whole Um, starting off of course with the uh, the science crew of Jane, Eric Selvig and Darcy uh, sort of looking out for some sort of space anomaly and they end up finding one which ends up being Thor being banished to Midgard Um, but yeah I mean what did you think of the opening of this movie Chris?
1: uh i thought it was okay um yeah you know I, as a first time, i mean obviously not my first time viewing but i think as a first time viewer obviously you're like what is going on who are these people yeah um and then obviously they don't circle back to it later on Hmm. um and it was also very a very just dimly lit scene because it was at night so um yeah 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 for me it was just a, it, it, I could see it being a little confusing, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I, I mean I I always like a little little tease that comes back and they circle back and explain how it gets there. Um, but just for me, it was a yeah. It was okay.
0: Yeah. No, I think I would agree with that. I think it's more of a you know it, it, everything is sort of shrouded in mystery in the beginning, and even the. The Bifrost, when we see it come down, they don't even really show it as a full Bifrost. They make it almost seem like it's a tornado of some kind. Mm -hmm. It's, like, sort of covered with, like, clouds and dust and whatnot. Um, I think, for me, where the movie really picked up was when we start the flashback with the Frost Giants invading Tonesburg in Mm -hmm. Norway. Yeah. And then, of course, the fight with the Asgardians and... We get that sort of backstory, and and I think they tie that really nicely. The, I, I think the first act for me is honestly the strongest of the movie overall. I don't know if you felt the same way because it, it they play with time in interesting ways, like where they have these flashbacks and they flash forward, and it's all sort of the setup to how Thor gets to that point. And I thought it was honestly pretty seamless how they sort of go back and forth.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was that was good. I liked I liked that little flashback of. Like you were saying, the uh, the Frost Giants against the Asgardians, and um, giving that sort of backstory for, for Odin, and then kind of going present day, showing Thor. Yeah. Um, I thought that was good. I I probably think the, maybe maybe the second act I like, the third act I think was just way too short. But um, yeah, I I can I can I can see why you like the first act more.
0: Yeah, no, I think just the setup was really good because it has to do a lot of the heavy lifting to you know, yeah. set us in the world. And I think they do a really good job of that personally. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think... Uh, and it's also a nice little sort of tease later on that, you know, Tonesburg is uh, the place that they set up new Asgard in the later movies. So...
1: Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, so nice little... We'll, um, we'll get to Captain America, the first Avenger too, but, you know, that also plays a role in that movie very briefly as well. So it's yes. like always, you know, the center yeah, yeah. of Norse... Uh, mythology, I guess, for the MCU. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Um, it's also interesting uh, that I mean the whole thing about the Frost Giants versus the Asgardians. I mean, firstly, we never really understand why the Frost Giants came to Earth. I mean, I guess that's not really probably because they important. just wanted
1: to conquer them, is my guess. But
0: yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but I thought it was a cool implication that they were somewhat responsible for the Ice Age. I don't, I don't recall. I don't know my human history i don't know if the vikings lived around the ice age i don't think they did but it seems like there was some sort of ice age or the world was colder with the frost giants around or something Mm -hmm. like that so interesting i guess uh geological sort of tie-in but uh yeah and then of course after all of that we're introduced to asgard Um, you know, as part of that whole setup of the Asgardians and stuff. And I gotta say, the music, I mean, the music again here, like, the music to set up Asgard, really good music, I think, overall. Like, that Asgard theme, which we don't really get a ton of. Like, again, it's sort of the whole theme of the MCU in the beginning with music, where they have these these musical themes, and then they just don't really carry them over. Though we do get a, I know, taste of this Asgard theme at the end of Thor Ragnarok, which was kinda nice, but, uh... Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the music? Nope.
1: <laughs> uh, no? I, I really don't think, like, it's, like you said, it's kind of been a theme of music doesn't really stand out. You get, like, little teases and stuff, but I think it's more of the um, same of that, you know. Not until Avengers do we really get a theme of oh, yeah. music that really sticks out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even, I would say, I mean, even Cap's theme is pretty decent because yeah. that's also done okay, by yeah, Alan yeah, Silvestri. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's all, like, Again, it, it, there are individual themes here and there that, like, stand out. Like, even the, um, like, how we talked about in the Iron Man episode, the scene where he's on the test flight, like, that has really good music. But it's always moments. There's never really sort of a cohesive mm-hmm. musical language to the these movies that... Um, I think they Marvel starts addressing that a little bit later on. But it's not like Star Wars, for example, where like the entire movie has like a very clear sort of musical yeah. language that they're setting up from the beginning to the end. But it's also hard to compare to John. Star Wars music, which is almost iconic. So, I mean, it almost. Williams. It is iconic. So, yeah, yeah Mr. Williams, of course. Um, I mean, man, imagine if they got John Williams to do a musical score for Marvel. Oh,
1: that would be pretty cool. But uh, oh. fortunately, not in the cards.
0: Yeah, I mean no. I think John Williams is all but retired at this point. I mean, what movie would you have him do? I guess besides Avengers, because I feel like that's uh, cheating. Okay, he would be okay. great at Avengers. Then
1: yeah, I don't know. I, I was, I mean, obviously, I was going to say Avengers. Uh, I don't know. Yeah,
0: don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think who who has the least memorable theme. Yeah. That would probably be a good one, Captain Marvel. I don't even know what Captain Marvel's musical theme either. is. I can't even think of it off the top of my head. Yeah, I guess she would need a lot of heavy lifting there. Musical theme. Let's see if the Marvels helps with that at all. I I don't know if it will. Uh, yeah. But Damn anyway, it. yeah. Anyway, I guess let's get back to get back to Thor. Of course, um, we after all of that stuff, then we get you know the setup with Odin talking about like responsibility and like the history to his sons. And yep. it sort of leads into the so almost coronation scene, which was what I was mentioning earlier. The whole set design and all of that stuff is oh, really, it's great. really well done. Great. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real sense of like opulence and like, it's really well done overall. And you get like the, you know, sort of comics accurate costume of Thor and uh, Odin and stuff. So that I thought was really good. And I think honestly, overall, a lot of the costuming was pretty comics accurate for the asgardians in particular
1: Yeah um I'm glad they went that route I I, yeah. I think they they were able to go that route just because it's um you know it's outer space so it's you know they they get the, that liberty of okay well it's not part of this world so yeah Maybe realistically some you know somewhere in outer space they actually do dress like that you know that kind of deal <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely lends to the fantasy element of it. I mean, they were clearly playing for more sort of, um, I, I guess, magical re- – I mean, magical realism, the idea of, of th- these characters being larger than life, almost Shakespeare – I mean, gods, right? I mean, they're yeah. supposed to be gods. So I guess leaning into that a little bit. And it, I don't know. However they did it – I mean, props to Kenneth Brown, props to the to costumers and the set designers. Like, they did make it – seem not cheesy because th- th- there's a fine line there and I'm sure it could have gone real cheesy real fast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, um, yeah, and of course here you get a lot more of Thor's personality. Of course he's a bit aggressive and a bit of a showboat. And, yeah, very um,
1: arrogant, yeah.
0: Very arrogant. Even, but even as a Chris- kid
1: in, that, in yeah. that little scene with him and Kid Loki, yeah. like
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. And I gotta say, those kids were very well cast. Like, they did, it, you could have fooled me if you told me that they went back like 20 years and filmed Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston as, like, children, because they seemed like they were actually the kids of them.
1: Yeah, good, good casting department.
0: Yeah, very, I mean, yeah, Sarah Finn, very, very good casting from Sarah Finn's end, but even Chris Hemsworth is really good casting as Thor. I mean, like, obviously, we've seen that more with three other movies and th- almost, what, four Avengers movies, but he was really good as Thor, and they really nailed that casting, too. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, I guess a general theme across all of the phase one. They really got all of the casting across the board, just really, really solid. They, they just Norton. nailed it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess <laughs> Ed Norton, uh, Terrence Howard. Howard. Oh man, I mean those. I guess exceptions to the rule, but it wasn't the casting director's fault. I would say that's more of the you know contracting. Ike Pearl, well, I don't, Ike Perlmutter, I guess, was more with uh, you know ed norton more than, than terrence howard but you know that was more like contract stuff unfortunately yeah. but uh i mean they were still well cast i would say they were they did good in their movies we we've discussed that mm-hmm. yeah just uh you know different takes than what we ended up getting but um yeah and then of course you see after the whole, whole chlorination scene we get like all of the the frost giants coming to steal the casket is what they call it and um we get a peek of the destroyer sort of saving everything, and Thor getting impulsive and like wanting to, you know, try and defend Asgard's honor and go to Jotunheim and teach the those sneaky frost giants a lesson and stuff. And you know, I think I think here is where we get more like that whole sort of interaction between Thor and Odin and Loki sort of watching to the side is where you start getting more of those personal interactions for me. And I thought that again. This, these are the moments where the movie really shines for me. Is where you see these guys interacting with one another. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts to add on the their relationship because for me, that's definitely the strongest bits of this movie.
1: I agree. Because um, uh, this is this is the first time in this movie where we see Odin lash out at Thor. Yeah. Um, and really just puts Thor in his place, like. Uh you know, I, well, I forget exactly the line, but it was essentially Thor was, like, saying, like, you know, as a king, are you gonna, you know, I can't let this stand, or, you know, let them invade, and Odin essentially is like, well, you're not king.
0: Yeah, not um, yet.
1: And then, he, yeah. yeah, like you said, you see, like, Loki off the side, kind of observing, you know, obviously very afraid, um, or intimidated at the minimum, of Odin's wrath. Um, yeah. But, I, yeah, I think that's a great scene um and yeah just mm-hmm. a lot of the these interpersonal scenes are what make this movie
0: yeah no definitely and i mean i it's it's i i mean we talked about this with the incredible hulk episode episode but it's really i think what was missing in the incredible hulk was we really didn't get strong you know interpersonal interactions that much like we got a little bit of you know um betsy and and Bruce and stuff. Yeah. But like it really wasn't as well developed as I think some of the relationships. Just, here. The chemistry
1: yeah. just wasn't there. Whereas here it's like, there's good uh, chemistry between, you know, Hemsworth, Anthony Hopkins, um, yeah. you know, with Hiddleston and Hemsworth. And, you know, it, there's, there's good chemistry there too.
0: For sure. For sure. And of course, uh, Anthony Hopkins, Academy, multi-academy award winner, winning actor. Like he's so good. Um, I, I honestly don't know how they ended up snagging him for this movie, but he is really, really good in this.
1: He was uh, he was interested by the father son dynamic, apparently.
0: Yeah, well, I I mean it works very well here, and um, you know I guess them straying away from it in later movies like Thor, the Dark World, and stuff is uh, why he maybe lost a little bit of interest. But it, it, you know I'm glad that I'm really glad that we got him, and he does such a good job. There's almost that shakes. I mean. I guess it's hard it is, to compare this to fully yeah. Shakespeare. It, this is not this is not as deep and intellectual as Shakespeare, but it, there is a Shakespearean quality to the interactions going on here for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but of course, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's also interesting here. Like after the whole you know interaction with Odin. Um, you know the whole thing where Thor's upset and then flips the table. You see Loki sort of talking to him, and I think overall in this movie, Loki's performance or Tom Hiddleston's performance as Loki is really much more subdued here than like his later appearances. I think it's really from the Avengers on is where he becomes this really sort of more flamboyant and outwardly showy role where he's like sort of having fun with it. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's part of the character development you know, here is. A- Even here, it's it's a much more subtle approach, and you can tell even at this point in the movie that he's trying to slowly influence Thor to act on his um, impulsions. Oh, of course, Uh, yeah. I guess impulse is the word, but yeah, um, to make him unravel. Um, And you know, I think we kind of find out, you know, in the later acts, um, kind of figure out. Okay, now. Loki's now very open about his intentions and really is who he wants to be. And then that's why later in the later movies, he's much more, you know, I guess, very outward. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, flamboyant about, you know, things.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, but it, it I mean, he, he plays it really well. Like th- yeah. he doesn't do I mean, it, it'll like just cut to him for like brief moments. Like you'll see like a facial facial sort of expression, like really subtle or like just how his eyes look. Um, across the movie and he does a really good job with that overall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of interesting that they've shied away from that and I mean I guess it's just easier to be a little bit more flamboyant and probably more fun, but he does a really good job with the actual acting of the the role I would say. So, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean you you sort of hit on what I was going to talk about next like how he's really being a trickster and sort of pulling the strings and manipulating Thor. Like you can really clearly see that in that conversation with um, where he's trying to like tell Thor oh you know you probably shouldn't do this your dad like Odin is like saying not to go to Jotunheim and that like sort of is that reverse psychology that gets mm-hmm. him to go to Jotunheim yep yeah um and of course yeah and here we of course get a little bit of an intro to lady Sif and the Warriors three yeah but um I gotta say they're very some of the most underused characters in the MCU, we just sort of get teases of them, and we don't really see much of them, which is kind of a shame, because I would like to know more about them, you know? I, even, like, a one-shot or, like, some sort of mini-series, or even, like, a, you know, one of those, like, special presentations like they mm-hmm. did for Were- Werewolf by Night. Like, yeah, I'd yeah. like to see more about them. Yeah. yeah. But
1: I uh, don't think we will.
0: <laughs> I don't think we will, and of course, now with oh, we'll Ray Stevenson... Every, yeah. As uh, Volstag, rest in peace Ray Stevenson. Yeah, him not being there, that's going to make things a bit difficult to, you know. Unless, you know, they can recast it, you know, that's never... uh, It can. Considering they already recast one of them with uh, the great Zachary Levi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Shazam. Shazam. Shazam, of course, yeah, no, but uh, yeah. Then of course, I think the the big thing about Act One is uh, the end sort of action scene is them going to Jotunheim and, um, you know, fighting off the frost giants and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, even in
1: that, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll end it with that part. I guess we won't end it with that part, but um, I that that whole fight, you you can see Thor is just way over in, or I guess way in over his head yeah um and you know loffy the king of the frost giants has like knew this was coming and and just it just shows you um i guess it just is another show not tell sort of scene of how cocky thor is
0: yeah definitely and i mean it. yeah go go ahead ahead. okay um
1: yeah i mean like even when his um when Loki and the Warriors 3 are like, hey, dude, like, we got to get out of here. And Thor is just, you know, whipping Mjolnir around, um, yeah. having fun. It's just like, this guy just does not care. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, th- that that's basically what I was going to say, that, um, you know, his own sort of almost ambition. This it, it seems like it's almost an ambition to try and, like, prove himself and prove himself in his eyes of his dad it, it puts, I mean, his own friends in danger, and they're the ones that sort of pay the price for it with, um, I think it was Fandral that ends up getting hurt, right? Yes, yep, it was. Yeah, yeah so it was Fandral that ends up getting hurt. So yeah, I mean, that that's, you sort of hit my point there. But yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. And I mean, it, I will say the fight overall, I, not really well shot. Like, it was like a lot of fast cuts. Like, the camera was way too shaky for me. Like, I couldn't really tell what was going on all that much. It was more just like sort of the vibe of them fighting, you know?
1: Uh, I agree. I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I will. I mean, the parts where you actually start seeing Thor, like, spinning the hammer and stuff and, like, actually throwing Mjolnir around, like, that stuff was... They did that really well. Again, they adapted the sort of fighting style of Thor from the comics, I think, pretty well overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, of course, then all of that stuff and they're, you know, trying to escape and then Odin comes to bail them out and they have this whole argument with... uh, with Laufey, and they're able to escape. And then, um, you know, the, the act one really ends with the whole argument between Thor and Odin, and uh, then Odin being cast out. But again, the argument between yeah, Thor and Odin Thor, really... Thor being cast out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole thing with Thor and Odin, again, that argument is really, really good. Um,
1: oh, it's yeah. so powerful. Um, I I mean, I, from, I was looking for some stuff up for the trivia... They were saying that, um, I think Kenneth Brana told Hopkins to just improv that. Um, and so people were on the set, and even, uh, you know, Hemsworth and uh, Hiddleston were, were trying really hard to keep it together because it was such an emotional scene.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know the I know I I remember reading that myself. Um, I guess back in the day, and I know the one one bit that like is is pretty well known that he improvises when Loki like says father, and he just yells at him ay or something like that, and that was like just, you know, in the in the moment of it, like Anthony Hopkins just sort of yelled, he didn't really say anything to Loki. Great actor. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's won all those Academy Awards for a reason, you know. Yes. Yeah, but. Um, uh,
1: and then, yeah, I mean, yeah, we that scene ends. You know, Thor gets banished to uh, to Earth, and then we hear Odin say uh, the enchantment on Mjolnir. You know, yeah, um, yeah and basically just say, yeah, yeah, say, say, recite it.
0: Yeah, whosoever shall hold this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor.
1: There we go, and then zoom, Mjolnir yeah. back to Earth or to yeah,
0: yeah, and then of course um, we. And we end Act 1 right where we started the movie with Thor sort of getting hit by Jane and the science crew in their car. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the end of Act 1. But yeah, I mean, again, for me, just a really good setup overall, Act 1, I would say for the rest of the movie. So um, yeah, any, I guess, final thoughts then?
1: Nope, I think we are good to move on.
0: Yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, normally we do the Stan Lee cameo thing after Act 1, but uh, Stan Lee rudely decided not to cameo in Act 1. So we will be doing that after Act 2 and instead uh, switch over and do our trivia section right now. So, of course, last last episode I did the trivia where I asked the questions for Chris from The Incredible Hulk. So this time it is back to me, and I will be answering some of Chris's questions here, and let's see what he's cooked up. Oh,
1: let him cook. Um, So question number one for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hopefully you should get this. I I want to throw in at least a layup here for you. Um, Okay. (laughs) Which actor initially auditioned for Thor, but was given another role in the film instead?
0: Wow, gee, who would that be? But, of course, Tom Hiddleston. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. And, you
1: know. I'm sure we both have seen Hiddleston's audition tape online, yes. on YouTube or something.
0: But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. With the with the black hair, the black wavy hair going around. But yeah, no, it was, it was. I mean, it seemed like it was a good audition. But I'm I'm very glad that he's stuck with Loki because I mean he is so good okay. yeah. as Loki. Yes. Yeah.
1: All right, one for one. Uh, mm-hmm. So, which two Asgardians are siblings in the comics, but have no indication of being related? In this film.
0: Huh. Interesting. And these are Asgardians we actually see in the movie. Yes.
1: They are not, like,
0: background characters. They're not background characters. Okay. Interesting. Uh... Is it Odin and Heimdall?
1: It is not. (sighs) It is Lady Sif and Heimdall.
0: Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, this is not part of the trivia, but apparently yeah. in Norse mythology, um, Odin and Loki are brothers.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That is interesting. I mean, I know that they, they stuck with like the right thing of you know uh, Loki being the son of Laufey because that is also in Norse mythology, but I did not know that they were – yeah, interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah, so they also did a little gender bender on, on Laufey. Um,
0: oh is Laufey supposed to be a woman
1: yeah it's a goddess, um, goddess it's actually a, oh. apparently it's a pretty um, pretty popular uh, female name in like Iceland or something like that
0: you know I actually do think that I've heard that yeah so that doesn't that you know that's interesting huh I yeah. didn't even think about that
1: but anyway okay next question
0: yeah. who
1: is Dr. Donald Blake in the comics
0: Oh well, yeah. This one was this one's Thor. I mean, th- I was gonna. That was one of my points in uh, Act Two, but that's his uh, human alias name.
1: That is correct. Um, yeah, it, it is his human alias. Um, essentially, just a, a human host that Odin creates for Thor when he gets banished, and you know, uh-huh. Thor just has no memory of his Asgardian life until he. Is able to be worthy and, and wields Mjolnir. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously, you know, we'll talk about this pretty soon. But yeah, you know, they take a, a different angle to that. Uh, yeah, of course.
0: Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right, two for three. Uh, yep. Question number four: What director <sighs> met with Stanley and pitched the original concept of a Thor movie
0: to Twentieth Century Fox in the nineties? Oh man. Uh, this one. Okay, well, this one's going to be tough. Um, hmm. Met with Stan Lee and pitched it to Fox. Uh, is this a well-known director? Yes. It is a well-known director. Okay. Um, hmm. Uh, can I get any sort of hint or no? Um, he has directed...
1: At least one comic book movie
0: oh he's directed one comic book that's interesting oh, at least at least one at least one so this means that he could have directed more okay um I mean there's not so many people that have directed so I mean what, what was it Sam Raimi
1: what a guess that is correct
0: Wow <laughs> it is Let's Sam go. Raimi. Let's go. Wow. I did not know that he pitched a Thor movie. Wow.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, Him and Stan Lee pitched in, like, 91 or something, and the studio was like, ha, no. The, these type of movies, comic movies, just don't make money. We're not going to do it. We don't really wow. understand it. Um. And then it wasn't until, like, uh, the first X-Men movie came out where, you know, comic movies really start to take off and then, you know, the idea of a Thor movie kind of came back. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to do like a, a TV special starring um, Tyler Maine, who, who actually played Sabretooth in that first X-Men movie.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Well, that was a total shot in the dark, but I am. Hey, got it. But I got that. Yeah. Wow. That's right. wow. I cannot imagine how different a Sam Raimi Thor movie would have been. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that he stuck with Spider-Man, because, man, he cooked with those movies. What about Doctor Strange? Uh, oh, I mean, it, it wasn't a bad movie, I would say, but that's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to, we'll yeah, get we'll to, get the to the Multiverse of Madness when we get to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, final question. Which actor was the first choice for the role of Thor but turned it down?
0: Oh, I know this. Oh man, I know that I've th- I've I've seen this before. Uh god. This one, oh my god. Was I mean, this it wasn't Liam Hemsworth. It wasn't his brother. Are are, are you thinking of his brother, Liam Hemsworth? Is that your is that your final answer? I'm going to put that as my final
1: answer, Yeah. It is not, although he was in competition. For the role.
0: Right. Yeah, that um, I knew. Who who were you thinking of?
1: 007 himself, Mr.
0: Daniel Craig. Really? Wow. I cannot picture Daniel Craig doing a superhero movie at all. James Bond not a superhero you? Uh I mean, I guess I guess so, it's some of the ones in the middle he gets kind of goofy, but no. I mean, even then I could not see him being a superhero like i mean specifically daniel craig you know i just cannot see him doing a superhero movie interesting
1: but, i don't know yeah. but uh but yeah wow. i mean he he turned it down because of the commitment or i guess time commitment probably um to the the bond franchise
0: makes sense when did because yeah casino royale came out in 2006 i think I forget when it Casino Royale came. I think it came out 2006, 2007 and then the next one Quantum of Solace came out in I think 08 and then Skyfall came out in what like 2012 or something but uh, I guess that that's not to the point. But yeah, I guess I guess he was busy with James Bond stuff then. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah, I I, I did better this time, I would say. I got I got
1: three out of five right yeah you got three this time versus two and a half.
0: so yeah let's go all right well that's good i'm i mean i'm i'm happy with three i think those other ones were were, i'm the fact that i got the sam raimi one at all yeah
1: i did not expect you to get that but yeah you you needed a little help to get there but uh, you got there
0: i did yeah i mean you gave a good hint it wasn't too uh you know it it wasn't it didn't give anything away i would say so that was a good hint all right all right, All right. Cool. Well, back that to? was that was yeah. So now I am at what five and a half, and you're at two. So you gotta gotta put a miracle here to come back in the next round for for Captain America, Chris. Tell We got a lot of movies. We got a lot of movies. That's true. That is true. Yeah, we do have a lot of movies. But uh, yeah. So we will we'll keep. So right now, like I said, the the score is at five to five and a half to two. But of course, um, we'll tally up everything at the end of phase one and. Um, you know, we'll see how things go from there, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. Okay. So I guess we can, you know, just jump right into act two. So act two is more, uh, Thor being on earth here. So of course, uh, start off with him being taken to the hospital and, um, trying to, you know, get out of being restrained and stuff. And at the flip side, we sort of see Mjolnir also falling in the desert and someone finding Mjolnir um yeah i mean i think for me act two sort of overall gets a little bit messier in terms of the because it's like trying to tell like a bunch of different stories at the same time because it's telling like thor on earth it's telling the science group story with jane and stuff then you also have like shield and stuff with the the hammer and then of course you also have the asgard stuff with loki and then the the warriors and sif and stuff so um yeah i mean did you have any i guess overall thoughts on act two uh yeah you know, i
1: I think overall, like you kind of said, telling a lot of stories um so I did yeah. feel like it was the beefiest um had a lot going on
0: yeah yeah i
1: yeah, you know, i I personally didn't mind it too much um mm-hmm. I think this is where we see a lot of the really the beginning of Thor's um sort of character change, you know, mm-hmm. him starting to learn how to live without power and be humble. Um, and then yeah. obviously the flip side, we see Loki now really, you know, becoming power hungry.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, it's interesting cause I, I, was thinking about more of Jane's role. Cause I mean, I think you would agree that the whole science group, like Jane and stuff, they aren't, I would say the greatest characters in the movie. Um, no, no. Yeah. Jane in particular is pretty underbaked as a character and I think I realized that the whole role that they basically serve is just to sort of explain the magical side of things and make it quote unquote more scientific. You know, she was sort of like the way to explain it to the audience. Yes, yeah. I mean
1: also a love interest, but even then, it's like the, the, They didn't. Thor didn't need a love interest in this movie.
0: Really? Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I agree. Feel he like, didn't need a love interest.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like throwing in jane as a love interest didn't really add anything like he uh, we'll we'll get to it later on but it's not like he sacrificed himself to you know for jane to really like specifically for her you know yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah i i don't know i i wasn't super enthused with the whole um you know Jane-Thor relationship, but I mean, I guess it's integral to the overall, you know, sort of fabric of Thor's mythos is having him being attracted to Jane Foster, but I mean, I would say even in this movie, they don't really do such a great job setting up that relationship overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um yeah, it's. I mean, honestly, I don't have a ton to talk about, you know, Act 2 here. I mean, Act 2, what they... Sort of, it, it, it's basically what, they, they're setting up that uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. has found the hammer. We get sort of the same scene from the end of Iron Man 2 where Coulson finds Mjolnir in the middle of the New Mexican desert. We have the Stanley um, cameo, finally. Yes, we do get the Stanley cameo where, I, I, I honestly kind of like that. Where we're getting a little bit of the world where, like, people are just sort of trying to take turns, trying to pull out the hammer.
1: Just having, like, which a cookout, too, you know, have a grill there. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that was kind of a nice little touch of slice of life of humanity there, which you don't really get a ton of, you know, ordinary people in the MCU. It's more obviously focused on our characters, but like, you know, getting a sense of how other people are navigating the real world. I thought is, it's always nice to get a little bit of that flavor, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. Yeah. Of course that's Stanley's cameo there. And then um, this is where of course we, we get um, Thor in the in the house, or whatever, when he's like starting to talk with Jane and stuff a little bit, we see that little tag Donald Blake on the shirt that Jane gives him, which is mm-hmm. again how I I sort of knew the name, but I think we both sort of knew Donald Blake. Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I honestly think that the big the two big things here are um, you know Thor realizing he's unworthy when he basically you know wrecks his way through that sort of shield yeah. um camp mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh you know finally makes it to Mjolnir and is unable to lift it um also I feel like it was just a super super forced shoehorned cameo of Hawkeye like
0: yeah yeah I, I would agree I don't know
1: yeah I just, I feel like they'd really like obviously they're doing to set him up in the Avengers but like they it really could have been anybody and I it served no yeah. purpose of it just being, you know, Hawkeye.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. I mean at least it wasn't like obtrusive that it was Hawkeye, you know, but like I think anyone other than like a comic book fan that sees him pop back up in Avengers, they'd be like, Who who is that? Like he's sort of came out of nowhere and they'd be like, yeah. No, um actually he popped up in Thor one in the middle of the first movie But like it's uh yeah, he's not a, uh, you know he he doesn't really serve much of a purpose other than like oh look it's he said barton he has a bow and arrow yeah but yeah
1: so um yeah um, so i would say you know that that whole scene is probably the most important one of this oh, act sure. that that yeah. at least occurs on earth and then um we have a really really good scene in asgard where um you know, Loki goes to touch the casket of ancient winters because, I guess, in the first act, he was touched by a frost giant during that battle in Jotunheim and realized, like, hey, I'm not getting, like, frostbite or whatever. What's up? His skin's actually yeah. turning blue. So, mm-hmm, I guess, he mm-hmm. you know, he's curious, touches the casket, and obviously, you know, his entire skin turns blue and uh, he has that confrontation with Odin. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really great scene between the two characters. Again, what makes this really a good movie is th- those... Little moments and interactions, and um, you know, Odin essentially like admitting he, you know, stole Loki or I guess adopted him and as you know, and never told him his entire life. His entire life has been a lie, and I, you know, that definitely adds to to Loki's frustrations and angers at his adoptive father.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think you sort of hit at the two major points in the, the, the whole movie overall, and I think it—I mean—that whole interaction is really powerful. I agree between Loki and Odin. I just find it really funny that once Loki starts like getting angry at Odin, it almost looks as if like Odin is faking it and just faints. But of course, I mean, yeah, we know yeah. he goes into <laughs> Odin, he goes sleep. The Odin sleep. Yeah, but yeah, he goes into Odin sleep. But really convenient timing from Odin to like, oh man, Odin sleep is kicking in, and it's interesting because. Uh, Frigga says that he's been putting off Odin sleep for so long. So it seems like he specifically chose to go into Odin sleep then. Like, no, nope, I'm just possible. eating out of this conversation. Yeah,
1: I mean, for for me, at least I interpret it as, okay, this this uh, interaction is just too overwhelming for me. Like, you know, I've already, like you said, been putting this thing off for too much. And, and even Luffy says, like, you know, you look weary um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think it just got to the point where it, it just overwhelmed, uh, Odin And the, and he just like, you know, fell, <laughs> fell into the Odin sleep.
0: No, no, no. That, that, that's probably the right, um, you know, interpretation of it. That's probably what they were going for. I just found the, I, I just find it really yeah, funny yeah, it's that just, yeah. it just happened to be timed. Yeah. It was very convenient that he happens to go into Odin sleep then for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think, again, the whole thing with Loki is, uh, you know, there's, there's so much complexity to the emotions that he's feeling. Like, on one hand, he is looking for his father and his brother's respect. But on the other hand, he's also, like, I mean, understandably kind of upset that his whole life he's been sort of lied to about this. And um, yeah, Yeah, I mean, almost like- a pawn in the whole politics that uh, Odin was trying to play at.
1: Yeah, I mean, he literally, he <laughs> literally just says like, you know, was I just like a bargaining chip for you, something, something to that extent. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And Odin essentially was like, yeah, <laughs> you are a peace yeah. treaty essentially. Um, and yeah, I mean, your entire life you're being told like you are born to be a king. Yeah. But it, you're really, it's like, no, really, my biological son was going to be the king, and. Yeah, you were yeah. Just here for politic purposes, so. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you feel you feel for him.
0: Yeah, no. It is interesting. I mean, it, it is really, really interesting that we we get that whole, um, you know, dynamic there. That he's just he was just always a pawn in the whole whole game there. But um, yeah, and and, and, and I, again, I think he does a really uh, he as in Tom Hiddleston does a really good job of conveying that sort of hurt and the complex emotions that he's mm-hmm. going through there, because it's not a not an easy thing to sort of convey all of that, and I think you really get that through his performance for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, and of course I think, like you said, the other big bit was Thor uh, sort of not being able to lift the hammer, and it's very much the sort of hero's journey here, where he's trying, I mean, almost like Arthurian legend, right? Like you have to lift the sword out of the stone and become a yeah. hero, but he's not... The hero yet so he can't do it but mm-hmm. um yeah even the i mean even the interaction between loki and thor that's another one i don't think we touched on where uh thor is sort of defeated and he after he's interviewed by colson or i guess interrogated by colson is where yeah. loki comes in and starts lying to him saying that he's banished and he has to stay banished and his de- dead and is dead and he's, stuff yeah, yeah. but after that whole interaction then loki turns away and you see in his eyes that like oh man he bought it i can't believe he actually bought it and Um, You can see that his sort of plan is sort of falling into place, which, again, really good acting by Tom Hiddleston there. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. Um, Yeah, and I I think the one thing uh, that I found funny also was they mentioned, what is it, when Selvig comes to try and save Thor, was he says that uh, he's so jacked as a physicist come doctor because he's on steroids and is a bit of a health nut and I don't know if you saw this article. I think it popped up like this week or like last week or something. Where some, I think, physical trainer was saying that like at least seventy percent of Marvel's heroes are on some sort of performance enhancers.
1: Interesting. I yeah. I wonder what the validity of that.
0: Uh, that I is. I would probably, but I mean, like Chris Hemsworth himself is like pretty naturally fit, and like even like uh, Chris Evans, for example, are pretty naturally fit. Um, but I, I would say I would I wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I think the very clear example of that's probably someone like Kumail Nanjiani, which I'm sure he could get fit on his own, but like to be that fit is yeah. like kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I just thought it was kind of like a funny sort of. I don't. I don't know if it's. I mean, it was probably not intended to be a real sort of jab at at real life, but it's mm-hmm. just kind of funny that that I guess ends up you know reflecting what's going on in the real world. But um, yeah, I would say that, I mean, Act 2 basically ends with Selvig saving Thor, and then they're in the bar sort of talking about, um, their and just sort of interacting, and you get a little bit more about, like, why Selvig is actually with Jane, um, seeing yeah. that he worked with her dad, her father, and dad. Yeah. yeah, and it's honestly kind of sweet that he's he's kind of protective of, of Jane, and um, yeah. you get obviously more that, like, he gets more that Thor is not really being um, disingenuous there and stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the end of Act Two. Did you have anything else you wanted to add there? Uh,
1: no, I, I think we really covered that section.
0: Uh, yeah, we
1: could talk about cool. Stanley cameo, or I guess rank them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, this one is Stanley uh, in his pickup truck trying to pull out the Thor's hammer here. How would you say this ranks with Iron Man, Iron Man One, or Iron Man Two, and Incredible Hulk. So, of course, Iron Man 1 was the Hefner one. Iron Man 2 was him drinking the the soda and then having gamma poisoning. And then Iron Man 2 was him um, as Larry King. Did you say Iron Man 2 twice? Did I? I probably did. <laughs> Iron Man 1, he was Hugh Hefner. No, I, I think Iron you I Man think, two. Yeah.
1: No, no, instead of Incredible Hulk, but
0: yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, but yeah
1: You got it right. You got it right, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how would you how would you rank it?
1: Uh this one I I put this one in the two spot.
0: You'd put it in the two so spot. So I
1: have I have Iron Man one first. Mm-hmm. I have Thor as the second ranked. Yes. And then I have Iron Man two as Larry King, and then I have Incredible Hulk as the last one.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I would say it's probably second best cameo. So after Hefner, then I would say this one. Then, actually, no. No, you know what? I would probably put this as the best one so far, actually. Because you get a little bit more of the personality of, of Stanley here, as opposed to the other ones. We don't really get too much of him, you know? It's just sort of like sure. things happen to him. Sure. So I would actually put, for me, Thor is the best. Then Iron Man won. Then I think I put incredible hulk is the second one and then larry king is the last because larry king is literally just like a moment like he flashes on the screen for like half a second but all right that's fair that's fair yeah yeah but i think that's uh yeah i mean pretty straightforward again i think the stanley cameo ranking will get more interesting as we get into the later yeah movies and we actually have a lot more movies and can sort of place him in between things but uh yeah, all right. Um, I guess then we can final just jump act- right into Act 3. I mean, Act 3 isn't... There isn't too much going on. It really is not, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, basically the final fight um, that uh, we obviously find out what Loki's the one who let in the Frost Giants. And it's kind of interesting that Luffy's words in the beginning were true, that he said that someone in the House of Odin uh, betrays you or something. And of course, we find out it was Loki that sort of let them in in the beginning. And we see that Heimdall is on to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he
1: freezes Heimdall with the the
0: casket. Yes, he does. He does freeze Heimdall with the casket. And here we finally get a little bit more of Thor and Jane interacting, also. So this is the whole thing where, um, you know, he, here you call it, here you call it science, and we call it magic. And I come from a place where it's one and the same, or something like that. Kind of they, like what Jane and, was alluding to earlier.
1: And shows him um, like the the nine realms or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then of course, um, here's where the warriors also come in to help Thor. Um, I will say, I don't know. I, I never really bought the friendship that Thor had with the warriors. Again, it was sort of told to us. We never really got to see it again. Um, I sort of made the point already, but I would like to see more of that friendship built out, which we never really got to. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, they come to see him, which is, it's a nice sentiment, Mm-hmm. Um but I will say tonally it's also a bit weird the music choice that they play it's kind of like a sort of jaunty upbeat music I don't know if you noticed this when they come to save him versus when like it's it's almost like kind of a a touching moment that they like sort of defied Loki and they almost are going to get banished themselves and they want to come save their friend and Well they're not a fan of not... Loki
1: at this point anyway so they're like what oh, what could happen
0: Yeah 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 of course <laughs> but like even then like they would still they would still be stuck on Midgard if Loki, you know, presumably stayed in power. But, yeah. I mean, to note, this was also... Uh, this. I, I remember seeing a video about this from every frame of painting. I don't know if you know this YouTube channel. He did really, really good sort of video essays on movies. And he did one about Marvel's music. And this was one of the points that he made was the music that they chose in Thor for this specific scene was maybe betraying the actual weight of the scene, you know? Mm. But, uh, yeah. But, of course, here, um, also, Loki starts getting desperate. He actually sends the Destroyer. Um, like you mentioned, he freezes Heimdall. And, um, yeah, and then this, of course, like, the the big thing is basically the battle between the Destroyer and Thor uh, in this part while he's still on Earth. And I will say the Destroyer looks really good. I mean, he, he basically is ripped out of the comics. He looks exactly like he yes. in the comics. Yes, yes yeah really, really good, and of course, here Thor learns his lesson, doesn't seek to fight, but is actually looking to like protect his friends like a king never seeks out a fight, but is always prepared for one kind of like how Odin says um yeah, and anything else you wanna add gets- about I guess this part on earth
1: uh no, not really i uh yeah, I mean, at this point, Thor recognizes that this may be how the rest of his life is kind of powerless he's not worthy and and really starts to take on a human perspective um like you know mm-hmm. you see him making breakfast doing the dishes and stuff like that right uh and it's really nice to see like he actually finally seems at ease and happy um and then yeah yeah ends up with him getting just backhanded like 20 yards into the to the asphalt um but mm-hmm. uh yeah it makes him worthy you know so it all pays off
0: right right yeah no i mean it, it does pay off um i will say i don't I, I mean i didn't fully buy that him just trying to save his friends was the one thing that makes him worthy.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i think it's it's a build up right he's learning humility living with yeah. the humans finally and then obviously that act of selflessness
0: yeah. So I, yeah.
1: I I don't think it was only that act, but yes, I can I see your point of like.
0: Yeah, I mean even really with enough? all of the build up it's 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 still just yeah. not like I don't think it was truly yeah. enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's you know. I, 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 I understand mean, that they were working with limited amount of time here to yeah, you know, in the actual movie to do this. Though I mean what, it's a two hour movie. They could have maybe given like ten more mi- like five or ten more minutes just to explain things a bit more. Yeah. But yeah, and of course, um after all of that is you know they go back to asgard and then i think the the actual final bit is loki and thor's face off and i would say this one is definitely more impactful because it actually has oh, yes. emotion and weight behind it like the relationship there are also between loki snakes.
1: there are, like actual oh, stakes yeah. in this um, yeah yeah for sure like
0: uh
1: yeah obviously we we get to see much you know more of loki's trickery of his you know Self duplications and um, you know Thor essentially has to make that choice of do I l- basically uh, well, I guess what was what was, uh, what was it Heimdall's observatory thing like that thing was just shooting left yeah. and right like, yeah I mean it was just, like, I, I just called the, it the Bifrost right well I, I guess the Bifrost is technically the bridge right
0: Th- that's the Rainbow Bridge right the, yeah, the is, Rainbow is it, Bridge is where
1: isn't that technically the Bifrost? Like, isn't his isn't Heimdall's thing like something? I don't know. Either
0: I think way, the observatory is just the Bifrost because he was saying like this is the Bifrost or whatever. But yeah, I don't
1: know. Uh, we'll we'll do we'll do a quick we'll do a quick uh, Google yeah. after this. But um, yeah, basically, yeah, Thor has to make that decision of do I, you know, let this thing cut off, um, our connection, Asgard's connection to all of. I guess they, or I guess destroy all the other realms, right? Because the casket was uh, like, kind of freezing their connections. I don't know. Or yeah. just you know, just destroy the Rainbow Bridge and never see Jane again.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that was actually, I mean, it was actually, there was a bit of emotion there. Like, he has the option to like yeah. to not destroy the Rainbow Bridge and, and be able to see Jane again. And he, I mean, again, does the actual noble thing and sacrifices that ability to be able to, you know, stop loki from destroying jotunheim though i will also say the fact i mean jotunheim did get pretty wrecked for whatever little bit that the bifrost was going so it's kind of interesting that the the frost giants didn't i mean obviously we don't go back and visit asgard and stuff till thor 2 but um interesting that the frost giants never seem to you know want to retaliate because i feel like that would be very clear grounds to like you know
1: yeah, but they probably realize at that point they're they're pretty much outmatched. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we we don't get we haven't mentioned it yet, but um yeah. Um Loki double crosses his his biological father and yes. basically leads him to uh to Odin in the Odin sleep and that just kills Laufey to take the yeah. credit. Um and then obviously Thor comes in and it's uh leads to their their fight, but
0: Yeah.
1: Um Really playing a lot towards that uh, that trickster sort mm-hmm. of uh, reputation that he has, and
0: and yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean it's it's not a great plan overall, but I will say that. I mean, you can understand why he did it. Like you can tell that he's really just trying to like get his father's approval yeah. and his love, and even like trying to prove himself to Thor that like he can you know take on this stuff. Of course, everyone sort of sees through the ruse, but
1: yeah, I mean like he he also. I think also part of it is that he truly does love Asgard. Like, yeah. he very much could have just, like, let Odin die and then be part of the Jotuns, but... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he he truly loves Asgard as well, that's got to play into that as well.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. But, um, yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, again, the complexity that Loki has in this movie, I mean, we don't really see... M- That level of complexity, honestly, till the Loki TV show, I would say, Um, or I mean, we also see a little bit of it in Thor 3, I would argue, but um, yeah, I mean, we don't really get this level of complexity from Loki again, and I honestly really appreciate the sort of creative decisions that they took with Loki in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, good foundation for the rest of his character that we get to see for all of his other movies, you know?
1: Oh, I did. I did a quick quick search. So mm-hmm. that that little observatory, that gold thing that Heimdall's in, is actually called the Himmenborg.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: The Rainbow Bridge is obviously the bridge from Asgard to the Himmenborg. The okay. and then the the Bifrost is that actual um, sort of transporting beam.
0: Gotcha. Like that energy.
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Interesting. But have, okay. Sorry for digressing. More you know.
0: No, but no, yeah. no. More you know. Yeah,
1: I didn't know that. And then um, I guess, you know, Odin conveniently comes out Wakes of the Wakes
0: up Odin from sleep. the Odin sleep. Yeah.
1: And yeah. saves them as they're falling as the bridge collapses.
0: Yeah, that was a bit convenient. Considering, you know, Frigga thought that he was gonna stay in it indefinitely almost. Yeah. Like, it's kind of interesting that like he has I mean, it's almost like a few days this Odin sleep, it's like barely anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Dramatic like, effect though, you know. Of course, yeah, it's dramatic effect. It, it, you know, it honestly lends credence to the theory that it was just him conveniently trying to <laughs> skirt out of that conversation with Loki.
1: Uh, that's one way to do it. Oh, no, I have to go to my coma.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just an easy way to get out of it. But, uh, yeah, and then, of course, he comes back just as Loki, quote-unquote, kills himself. But, of course, we know he didn't kill himself. Yeah,
1: kind of falls into that wormhole.
0: Yeah, um... Yep. yep but uh yeah and then of course the end of the movie is uh thor talking to heimdall and seeing that jane is like inspired and doing more research to try and find thor again and stuff and uh that's the end of the main movie and then of course we have the post credit scene with fury and selvig um where we actually get to see the cosmic cube and that was that is a kind of exciting tease for yeah, sure well, well i guess that's worth a look you know? yeah well i guess that's worth a look exactly but yeah, and I think that's that's it. I think that's it for Thor. Anything else you want to cover on Act Three before I guess we give a quick rating and uh, wrap up? I do
1: want to say I I personally think that that post credit scene is one of the most important post credit scenes in the entire MCU. Not even up to that point. Mm. Like right like however movies we are now thirty plus. It is one of the most important post credit scenes in my opinion.
0: Really interesting. Yeah, I. I mean, it is. It is important. I wouldn't have necessarily pegged it as one of the most important, but I can see. I can see your perspective. I can see why you'd want to put that as one of the most important for sure. Just because it. I mean, wh- why would you say so? Because what like it sets up the Avengers and.
1: It yeah one it sets up the Avengers, um, you know it. Uh, sets up the Avengers. Obviously later on, in Captain Marvel. You, we know how the tesseract plays into her getting her powers right. um, basically yeah it's like you said it's our first real introduction to the Cosmic Cube or, or the tesseract mm-hmm. um, I know in Iron Man 2 we kind of saw a drawing of it but this is like the actual first time we, we see it and um, it literally is the main Infinity Stone or MacGuffin throughout the entirety of phase 1 and even and even phase 2 it's the most popular um yeah. infinity stone and i don't know yeah it just kind of it's connect it's like connective tissue to for sure the greater MCU um and obviously it's the the jewel of odin's chest or whatever it's called um, yeah yeah so yeah it's just kind of set up where it, like now you see nick fury is is really wheeling a deal in here cuz this is was he he wasn't in Incredible Hulk, right?
0: Nick Fury was not an Incredible Hulk. No, that was Tony Stark. Was yeah. the the sort of connective cameo there?
1: Yeah. So now, now you really see like, okay, they have some stuff going on at Shield, and they have this seemingly, you know, pow- dangerous power source or something, right? Um, which you know, we will later on realize, okay, this is the thing that's driving the first Avengers movie, and and indirectly driving. The rest of the Infinity Saga. It started with this. This is the first introduction that we have to to the Infinity Stones.
0: So yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. It is. I, yeah, you're right. Actually, this is the first time we actually see an Infinity Stone in the MCU. Um, but yeah, I mean, well taken points. I mean, it. I. I would. I still probably wouldn't say it's the most one of the most important, but I think you're argument has convinced me that it is it has moved up the ranking in terms of importance of post-credit scenes i would say um i would i mean definitely one one of the two most important post-credit scenes in phase one for sure i that i would 100 percent agree with that and of course the first iron man's post-credit scene
1: yeah i mean we'll, we'll get to it next episode but captain america really didn't have a post-credit scene it was more like a, a mini trailer for the avengers
0: but, oh um, yeah, yeah no. i mean that what that wasn't a post-credit <laughs> scene at all that, that barely counts exactly yeah, okay. um yeah. I mean it what it has two post-credits scenes, right? Cuz it has the one where he like actually is um Yeah, doesn't it have two? What kind of technically. They? Well, one is uh well, no, he and well, one is the the Avengers cameo, but isn't there something else also where I don't know. I guess I guess we'll have to see. I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess we'll have to see. I guess we'll find out, and I guess you guys will find out, our our, our, our lovely time. listeners, as we will listen to Captain America or talk about Captain America: The First Avenger and next month's episode. Yes. Great, great uh, transition there from us. Definitely seamless and very planned there. Yes. But uh, yeah, um, Chris, how would you rate this movie? Go I
1: up. put it at a three.
0: Yeah. You know, I would agree with you. I think this is a very solid three. Um, no quarter points here. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much in agreement with you here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any, any last thoughts before we wrap up here?
1: No. Uh, overall, like I, I, like we've been saying this entire time, it's more of a movie about interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, really about a dysfunctional family definitely Um, and how one of those family members goes on a you know self-journey of like learning humility and stuff and that's what it is at its core and I I think it's a good story and good sort of lesson to tell Um, again obviously through the lens of this Shakespearean god Um, definitely but I think it was a it was a good introduction of space and magic into the mcu
0: no definitely yeah i mean it's it's a good i i i think this movie still holds up for me as a movie that still has that charm that i remember when i first saw the movie and i agree with you it's a good setup it's not perfect of course uh but it really Strives on the interpersonal relationships that this movie sets up, and unfortunately doesn't really carry on as much in the second no. Thor movie, which is I think to that movie's downfall. Yeah. Uh, because really, the only strong interactions in that movie is between Thor and Frigga, and then Loki and Thor, of course. But um, the Odin part of it is like completely just gone from there. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I,
1: I also will say like the the CGI in this movie is oh, for the most part like. It's fine. It's not not jarring or anything like later Marvel movies. Like I think the CGI is completely fine, and it's um, which is a good thing. And it's a sad thing that's you know we're saying these earlier movies, like literally the beginning movies, the CGI is better than you know literally ten years down the line.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but I think part of that also has to do with you know the the approach they take for the newer movies now is what they. Well, like, they have, like, I think, like, five different variations of scenes sometimes where they'll, like, film all of them and they want all of those scenes to
1: have CGI made for them. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that method. Yeah,
0: so they overstretch their workers and they overstretch, you know, the, the production budgets and all of that stuff. And they're just not tactical with how they're planning out their shots. And I think especially early MCU because they were hungrier and didn't have the sort of... In uh, you know, infinite coffers that they do now, that they had to be more thoughtful about planning out which scenes had CGI and which didn't. So, they worked better overall. Like the destroyer, the destroyer looked really good. Yeah. Um, like as CGI, like so. I mean, I agree with you. I think the and good note on the CGI. I didn't even think about you know discussing it, but I guess it speaks to the nature of the movie that the CGI was never really obtrusive at all. Um, the background effects and stuff and. Mm-hmm. I mean, Asgard, of course, is like shot on green screen. I'm sure, but like, again, yeah, you would. It doesn't. It's well done enough that it doesn't pull you out of the movie, as opposed to like, say, Quantum Mania, where you can very clearly tell that they shot on. A, yes, yeah, and in not the quantum realm, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Any any other final thoughts, I guess, or we can just sort of wrap up here. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, that's that was you know, Thor one. Um, like I said, we will be. Next week, or next not next week, but next month, we will be talking about Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, yeah, of course, you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts, as you probably are now. So Spotify, Amazon, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, if, if you were so inclined, be sh- please do ri- uh, rate, like, subscribe to our podcast. Of course, it does help us out and just shows that, you know, we're not just talking into a void here. Uh, with our thoughts, but um, Which we probably of course, are, but... I mean, we probably are, but you know, we, we, we get some listeners. I've been seeing the stats. We, we've been getting some listeners here and there, but uh, yeah, of course. And if you have any thoughts or questions, uh, please feel free to reach out to our email at ostrich technique at gmail.com. Um, we, we do check our email. So of course, if you have any thoughts there, please do reach out and give us some feedback. We're of course still a work in progress here. Um, but I think, Uh, For Chris and myself, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you on our next episode. See you guys. Bye. See ya.